Hey guys, this is Rico from Always the Critic Podcast. Just wanted to jump in here real quick before you start listening to today's episode uh, about Dear Evan Hansen. I just wanted to provide a little bit of context and a bit of a warning on today's episode. We got into some heavy discussions about some sensitive material uh, regarding mental illness and also the act of suicide because of the nature of the movie that we are discussing. Uh, Some of the comments that were said during the original airing of the broadcast have been taken out. And I feel as though that was a necessary edit because listening back to it, I feel that it is not in our place to speak the way we spoke about certain topics. And it could be an impediment for people who have their own struggles right now as we speak. So just wanted to provide a little bit of context before you listen to the episode. Uh, There's a little bit of contention between the different hosts and the guest, but I didn't want to eliminate the episode completely because I just wanted to provide context to how we felt about the movie itself. So if you're listening to this for the first time, you'll notice maybe some abrupt cuts here and there. Uh, where the conversation kind of changes. And if you're coming back to this as a second-time listener, uh, I do want to apologize for the first edit that we released. And we hope that you continue listening and hope that this episode uh, does not deter you from joining us on future discussions. On behalf of the podcast, thank you for listening. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, I had to work late today, so that was not so fun. But I'm here with you guys. And I say you guys because there's more than two of us here today. (laughs) Yes. Today, we have brought along a guest to the show. He has been on the show before many times. It is Miguel Albarison. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well, thanks. How about yourself? Doing pretty well. Thank you for coming <laughs> oh, on this awesome. episode. Uh, so this is a review of a new movie that if you're listening to it on opening weekend, we got a chance to see it early uh, through a screening. So uh, we're pretty excited at least about that, being able to see a movie ahead of time. and kind Oh yeah, of it rocks, yeah. Sit down with the thoughts and like let it marinate a bit. Uh, But before we get talking about the movie, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron for as little as $2 a month. It's a great way for you to get involved, for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. Today, we are going to talk about the latest release, a musical, Dear Evan Hansen. Yes. Uh, This is a... 
film adaptation of a musical that won the Tony for Best Musical back in 2016, that year. Mm -hmm. Jessica, why don't you go ahead and tell us what is the movie about? IMDb synopsis reads, film adaptation of the Tony and Grammy award-winning musical about Evan Hansen, a high school senior with social anxiety disorder and his journey of self-discovery and acceptance following the suicide of a fellow classmate. So this movie is directed by Stephen Chabotsky and written by Stephen Levinson, who also was the writer of the play. So he oh, is, okay. So he came here and wrote the screenplay for the film. Right. The movie does star Ben Platt. He is reprising his role as Evan Hansen, as he did in the musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, joining him along for the ride is Julianne Moore, Amy Adams, Caitlin Deaver, and many more. Now, Jessica, why don't you tell us what critics have to say so far about this movie? Okay, so the critics have given it a Rotten Tomato score of 42%. We do not have an audience score at this moment because we are recording before it has officially come out into theaters. So there is no audience score. The critics' consensus at this time reads, Dear Evan Hansen does a fair job of capturing the emotion of its source material, but it's undermined by questionable casting and a story that's hard to swallow. Mm. Yep. (laughs) So... There's there's a lot to talk about on this movie, uh, even Letterbox. So people who have seen it, who have rated it through Letterbox, the average score is a 2.8 right now. Oh, my gosh. OK, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to get started with Jessica. Jessica, why don't you go ahead and let us know uh, your thoughts on Dear Evan Hansen? So I came into this pretty cold. I had maybe listened to one song off of the original musical soundtrack that you can listen to like on Spotify and Apple Music and I had never seen the stage production. So I'm coming at this from a purely film perspective. You know what I'm saying? How does it work as a movie? And to be quite honest, it was, as the critics consensus says, a really hard story to swallow. Um, I think that you know, as an adult as well, I'm really removed from high school. And so high school stories are just generally hard for me to relate to and hard for me to get behind just in general, any like high school story nowadays. Um, However, I felt like by the end, I was really empathizing with Evan Hansen and his struggle. And I didn't know, like watching the movie, like what he had exactly. So I guess the IMDb synopsis gives it away like he had a social anxiety disorder, which you can kind of get that from watching the movie, but I didn't know what the the title of it was. I think that the music was really great. I, um, I want to give props to Ben Platt because he originated the role, reprised the role. He's now in his like mid to late 20s and still playing Evan Hansen. And honestly... That we'll talk about that controversy, like I'm sure, right, right after my thoughts. But I love Ben Platt as Evan Hansen. I think that his vocals are amazing, stupendous, marvelous. Every time he opened his mouth to sing, I was like, absolutely, I'm here for it. Like, give me more, baby. Like, I was (laughs) all in. (laughs) And I would say that he's the one that carries the cast. You know what I'm saying? Julianne Moore and Amy Adams are prestige actors, but they're not really given a lot to work with music, music wise. And I think I like that. I 
I prefer the way they did it where they left all the heavy lifting to Ben Platt and then they took out some of the other songs that didn't quite work in my opinion after having listened to it the full original musical um I don't think they would have worked in a film anyway so that's a positive for me um I think at the end of the day I liked it a lot was it the best thing that I've seen no was it the worst movie that I've ever seen absolutely not so that's my general thoughts all right uh sounds good uh so I'm gonna let our guest Miguel uh, go ahead and give us your thoughts on Dear Evan Hansen. What did you think of the movie? Oh, boy. Um, so this movie was kind of like a tough pill to swallow in a lot of ways. Uh, because I, uh, for context, I went into it completely blind. Um, I knew some bits of the story, maybe kind of what it was about, but nothing really beyond that. Um I never heard any of the music. I like like none of it. I'm not familiar with Ben Platt outside of this. I don't I don't really know anything about it. All of that said, oh boy. Oh man. I'll go ahead and echo Jessica's sentiment. Is it the best movie? Absolutely not. Is it the worst? It it it's getting there because <laughs> it it's so there's so many I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know where to begin. Um I guess with the good stuff about it, I guess it, the description does mention the description of the, or rather the synopsis describes uh, Evan Hansen as having a kind of social anxiety, which is implied. I really liked in the movie that that was implied. Um, it was very responsible of them not to give any kind of, you know, this person has this, this person has that, because then you fall into the trappings of misrepresenting what that kind of uh, mental illness or ailment is. So by avoiding that, I think that was a very responsible way of going about it. Um, Mm. You know, of course, Connor, the character who does commit suicide, uh, rather dies by suicide. Uh, It's never really expanded on how he did it. He's never shown. I think that they took very good steps in avoiding anything that would have been too controversial and just moving along with the story. So I thought those were really standout moments of the film for me, especially with recent media like 13 Reasons Why and all (laughs) sorts of other teen directed, uh, you know, euphoria, anything directed at teens always falls into the trappings of trying to glamorize certain things that really shouldn't be. This movie did a great job of avoiding all of that. Mm. That's great. The music, um, I could see why people love it so much. It's inspirational. It's heartfelt. You know, it, it captures common themes that everybody loves. Great. Everything else I, I just couldn't do. The casting <laughs> of Ben Platt. Yes, he's a great singer. He should not. He shouldn't. He shouldn't. He shouldn't be in this. He shouldn't be in this. OK, for why? Because he's not a good actor. He he's too looks old. Like what? so old. <laughs> I thought he was 35. He's 26. Wrong. Right. He's 26. He got CGI down. Now, I don't know if we watch the print where. Ben Platt is CGI'd already. But if that's the case, they did an awful job. He Hold on, pause. Out. He was CGI'd? Yeah, actually, they were releasing a print because of some of the controversy. So what they wanted to do was CGI and age him down uh, because <laughs> of the fact that so many people responded to the fact that he looked too old to be playing the part. Oh, my and God. And I don't know because... 
there's the I know the one we were watching. There's moments where you look at his face. I don't know if it was the I'm going to assume it was the makeup because I don't think we watched like the CGI version where they aged mm. him down. But there was something kind of I don't know, like plasticky looking pancake like they really like put an effort to try to age him down. But I can't agree with that. His hair looks like and it's was, receding. He okay. has okay. he has the 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 wrinkles of a stressed single father. So like, he's talks every, to okay. Julianne Moore in the kitchen and I think that this is her hapless roommate in a quirky <laughs> trying to make it work situation. Okay, so let's then pause he gets here. to school and it's like, are you the are you the TA? Are you the coach? Are you the RA? Who are you? Like I need oh to see my, some papers. You're oh so old. Oh my god. All right, Miguel, let's settle down. Miguel. So, relax. So two things. Everyone was bitching about Ben Platt being too old to play a teenager. I think that we can just fucking stop with that already. Because there are so many people, actors, who are playing older than their character. Let so me like tell you something. done. I don't want to hear it. Okay, okay. Ralph uh, Macchio, listen. 26 years old when he was the karate kid. Stalker I don't want to fucking hear it. 58 in Greece. But <laughs> you know, like here's the thing. Can I can I the one thing that I keep reading here, the one thing I keep reading here, because on TikTok and, you know, this movie is for theater kids. They're very defensive. <laughs> the first thing that you keep hearing is like, well, you know, in Greece, it's like, yeah, that's great. But here's the thing. All those characters are in their late 20s and early 30s. This is one person who's like 37 hanging around or 26, right? 27. Fine. This is one significantly older person who needed computer technology to make him look younger. Only because, looks, uh-huh, only because of the controversy. Old. Only because anyone with eyes can see that this person looks very, very old. Like, Caitlin Deaver is 24 years old. Yeah, and she She looks plays great. his co-star, another high schooler. So looks great. if I could just say really quick, my thing is not that he shouldn't have played the part because I think he's amazingly talented. He can sing. He's... That's going to be one of the things that I talk about. Is yeah, you see in circles around the whole cast, right? Of course, couldn't I have think dubbed it? It's the contrast oh of the people that he's playing against, the way he looks versus the people that he's playing against. There's there's a difference in the way they appear. So it, even though like Deaver's only three years younger than him in real life, Deaver can pass as a high schooler or you know at least a late teen. And Ben Platt can't really pass that. Unless, you know what it is? No. My biggest I thing? I think it's because people were bitching. Now you have it in your head. You're already Look, biased. N- no, no. No, no. He I, looked I went older. into this movie blind and he looked You know what old. it is? The the wig that they gave him like does not okay, help him at all. That's the second part of this argument. Is the wig he does was not a- help him at all. Miguel that's- was talking about a receding hairline. And I was of the opinion that the rat's nest that they gave him to wear for this movie was atrocious. And after watching the movie in its entirety, I think that in certain scenes, it's way worse. And then some scenes, it's not so bad. And you're like, don't even realize that he's wearing a wig. But I mean, (laughs) I think that it's just depending on personal preference. Like if I saw that guy at my like if I had a younger sibling who was still in high school and I saw that guy there in class, I'd be asking so many questions. They could have even worked it into the plot. They could have been like, he's so anxious that he failed six times. Like, you know what I mean? Like they could have. Get out, Miguel. 
he looks so I, he's good and this isn't a knock on ben platt he looks good for his age like he's like he's a regular person but <laughs> in the context of this movie like you know it's doesn't work man it doesn't work so you're saying you can see a little bit of pandemic on him like just that stress is in there no i just see age and experience you can like, <laughs> like this is <laughs> He's okay. like shuffling through the halls. To We're not going to spend an hour talking about how Ben Platt doesn't look no, like he's can't. 17 years old. Yeah, we can't it's because fine. that is not my problem with the movie. That's not my problem that's either. Not okay, one, Rico. That's not my main problem with yeah. the movie. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, did that, you have any other thoughts, Miguel? Um, I think well, you were really die. mad about the plot. I was mad about the plot. Um, are we going into the plot now? Uh, keep it general. Yeah, just general. general. I just think there's so many questionable things that happen in this movie that I I can't help but feel it didn't tra- either either didn't transfer from the stage or maybe there's some stuff missing, but a lot of stuff in this movie really just doesn't work, and there's a lot of plot points, especially the main one that's that are very unseemly and strange. So it's a bit it, it it's a weird movie. I felt really uncomfortable all the way through, and even more so after, but. I'll leave it at that. It's it, I. I'm not a fan. Okay. So I, I just wanted to jump in before like we continue. So putting aside everything with Ben Platt, Ben Platt. Let me just say the positive is that, like you said, he is singing circles around everyone in this movie uh, because everyone else in this movie is not really a singer. Mm-hmm. Like you have. Uh, Amy Adams at one moment has like part of a song. Julianne Moore has a song. Caitlin Deaver does a duet with Ben Platt. But Platt is just, you know, at a different level He's than leaps everyone. And bounds yes. Higher yeah, than everyone. Yes, completely different great. from everyone. So that is one thing I will say. Now, in terms of the movie or the plot itself, boy, is it problematic. <laughs> um because the, the subject matter is about a, a kid who takes his own life and then through a series of misunderstandings and um, just <laughs> not coming out right I'm away. Sorry. I'm sorry. I can't look at Miguel when you're speaking. <laughs> but then it comes to a point where he is mistaken as a friend of this kid and he does not step forward to fix that error. Okay. Of that. But the, that's not the that's not even the biggest issue. The biggest issue is the way he leads on people into believing that he was a friend of someone who took their own life. And the way the movie handles like mental health is not the greatest, I'm gonna <laughs> say. Um it it handles it in a very non subtle like Hey, if, if you're, you know, depressed, this is you're going to show these symptoms and, uh, you know, it's going to be obvious that you're on pills and uh, the way it portrays it is not great at all. So, yeah, the the actual plot itself is very problematic. So this is why I found it surprising that there were so many fans of the musical. But then I this is my theory. My working theory is that. Most people have probably not seen the show and they have listened to the soundtrack or the musical soundtrack and they get wrapped up in the songs because the songs are pretty good. 
there are mm-hmm. pretty good songs. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason why it won Best Musical because the music is actually pretty good. But I don't think that people, for the most part, at least the majority of people, have not seen the show and probably don't understand the full context of how the plot comes together, you know, outside of just mm-hmm. hearing the songs. And so that's why it confused me a bit that it was so beloved because I can't imagine a show with this plot being so beloved. So mm-hmm. I think that I can lend a little bit of, I mean, shed a little bit of light on that because even though I am coming at this cold, I <laughs> have never seen the stage show or anything. I feel like the content of this show is like almost revolutionary. It's someone with a mental illness someone who's struggling and you know people around him don't understand him right i feel like this is a whole new character mm. it's pretty original In the, yeah yeah uh, on I, the stage what do you that. get you get lion king you get aladdin you get hamilton you get, you get waitress you get you like, get these large yeah you know, stories about regular people or people in fantastical situations. And this is very down to earth. And like, this could happen in like Wisconsin, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and it's not, uh, so flashy or stunning, like other Broadway musicals. It's very, there's a kind of very home style feel to it. I will say that like everything does feel extremely grounded, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a musical or a play that deals with something this. Like, it's basically like a, well, not a coming of age, but, you know, it's like one of those teen movies. It's but, very you know. nuanced. And I think yeah. that people can glean different things when you watch the same work of art. And that's why people seem to gravitate towards it. Non, not to mention the music's awesome and maybe the stage rendition is really, you know, something. But you know, in the movie, I think that it's just like in your face. There is no like dance to go with the song right. necessarily. Mm. I see what you're so saying. So you're just kind of confronted with this really harsh story. That's and true. And you're getting close ups of characters that you probably wouldn't see on stage anyway. Like, I don't think that the counterpart for Amy Adams, um, Connor, uh, Connor is the name of the uh, suicide victim, Connor's mom, Connor's family, we get very close shots of them like on the verge of tears, in despair, in grief. I don't think you would have that same connection if you're watching it. Like I can't imagine having that same connection to it if you're watching it on a stage. And the music, I listened to the soundtrack independent of the movie, the it, the music itself doesn't really move the plot forward. There's a lot of exposition in between that kind of pushes it along. So I could see how the music would be so inspirational that they might even overshadow like some of the darker elements of the story itself. Uh, but it's watching it in the form of a movie. It was just really jarring. Um. Yeah. The I think there's moments where the movie kind of like comes back and forth in tone that makes it tough for you to consider the subject matter that it's trying to like talk about. Like there's Mm -hmm. one moment where I kind of found myself, I guess flabbergasted might be the word to use, but where there's a super upbeat song that happens 
And I'm like, how did we get to this moment when just moments before we are learning about the death of this character? And now all of a sudden we're like in this really cheery, upbeat song, which morbidly kind of like details a fake life between him and Evan Hansen. It was so weird. Like some moments are like very like happy and but then some moments are down. I don't mind a movie that can can make you cry, make you laugh together. That's fine. But a movie who goes to like extreme tones like that is a little too much. So okay, I love that song. I know exactly what song you're referring to, and I really like that sequence. The one where they're in the park, or the one with the no, it's the, the one with singing. the letters. Connor's yeah, Connor is singing. Okay. It's the letters. Okay, mm-hmm. and so it, it just threw me for a loop on that one because the song by itself is good, but in the context of the movie, it it does not feel like it goes there, just because of where we just were. A moment before, just one moment before, we are, you know, really sad that we found out that this character passed away. And now we are jumping to, hey, uh, let's make fake emails and let's be all cheery about it. It, it was so I weird. I really think that's a product of the musical because it's, yeah, it's a literally the in the same order as a musical. And I don't think there are songs that you can cut when you go from musical I to I don't think they should have cut it. Oh, no I way. think they do. I think I they, think they did. Add- Here's my problem with this, among the many problems. I feel like there's a there's a very similar movie. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's called World's Greatest Dad. Mm-hmm. You, it's very similar in concept. Um, the protagonist character, Robin Williams, his son commits suicide. And to kind of soften the blow on everybody, you know, he kind of expands on his life the way that they do in Dear Evan Hansen. And to cover up the very embarrassing way that his son committed suicide. He expands on it and lies about it. But the thing is that movie is a very dark comedy. And I feel like that's how that movie worked as well as it did considering the circumstances. But then if you look at dear Evan Hansen, I'm supposed to believe that this guy who trembles at the sight of other people who has to duck into a bathroom to escape a crowded hall. I'm supposed to believe that this person is going to clout chase a suicide victim and have these very big engaging conversations with his family and make up this whole song and dance like i don't really buy it okay so i do and i can tell you i can tell you exactly why but i feel like it might go into spoiler territory so why don't we break yeah we are going into and then we can talk about why i believe yeah (laughs) sure Okay, so let's go ahead and let's head into spoilers for Dear Evan Hansen. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? And now let's go ahead and talk about spoilers for Dear Evan Hansen. So you guys were about to get into spoiler territory. So Miguel was talking about he doesn't buy or enjoy, maybe is a better word, the fact that he feels like Evan Hansen is clout chasing a suicide victim. Right. I don't feel like it's clout chasing. No? No, I feel like he's peer pressured. (laughs) Because in every case where he has the opportunity 
to tell the truth, he's first bombarded with someone who's projecting all of this, you know, negative, sad feeling toward the situation. And they're saying that what he has or had with Connor is a positive. Mm. And that's the only positive in the whole situation. And so he's coming at it from, I don't want to let anyone down. I don't want to let anyone feel any more heartbroken than they already are. And so I really feel like at least the first third, maybe half of the movie where things are spinning out of control and he really is unable, I feel like, to tell the truth because it's just such an, a harsh come down for these people who definitely need this form of comfort. I mean, that that's definitely fair. I can definitely see that. So at that point, I don't feel like it's clout chasing at, at all. At that point. At the very beginning, I can buy that. Like, okay, he's backed into a corner. He had no idea he was going to ever see these people ever again. He so, literally tells the okay. family... Oh, he didn't write this. At the and end. She, and no, at the beginning when they come to the school and they're like, oh, here's he wrote this for you. Connor wrote this for you. And they give him the letter that he wrote to himself. Right. right. Dear Evan Hansen, the whole freaking bit. And he's like, oh, no, he didn't write this. And he literally hands the letter back and he's trying to in the best way that he can. He's, you know, not all not all there, so to speak. He's a teenager, doesn't have his faculties about him. He can't speak to adults, you know, in a normal, collected, logical fashion, let alone he also has social anxiety. So, like, teenagers, I feel like, are stupid. I mean, I feel like when I was a teenager, I was fucking stupid. So (laughs) I couldn't make a freaking phone call to place a, a pizza order, let alone, like, speak to an adult who's been through such a tragedy. A kid took his own life. And now he's trying to tell them that the only lifeline they have is not really a lifeline. Mm. that's fair so I completely feel like it's fair for him to just kind of go along with it and hope that it goes away for at least the first half maybe two thirds of the movie Uh, if I could jump in here so I I don't mind at the beginning where he's like back into a corner Uh, but then the rest from the majority of the movie he continuously finds ways to instigate the lie just continue the lie. So well, in what way? The tries to stop him, too. The friend is a joke. Yeah, but he's, yeah, like, but he really still tells him, like, like, I don't know why you're doing this. He and tells him, he, I don't know why you're doing this. And he says, they're broken. <laughs> and he still tells him, you got to, you know, tell them the truth. So I think we all know, like, even listeners, that when something, a lie happens, you need to tell the truth right away. Because then shit gets out of control. It's a slippery slope and you just dig yourself into a hole. And I think we're all upset, even me included, that instead of Evan Hansen just getting himself out of the hole, he digs a deeper hole. Yeah. And for the and that I think part, gets everyone really riled up, especially like you two. <laughs> and let me, let me add this uh, to the fire. He uses the, everything that's going on with... Colin's death to Connor. Connor, what did I say? Colin. Colin. Oh, I'm it so sorry, English, Connor. With uh, Connor's death to be- get with his sister. Yeah, like, that was really gross. Okay, so the, your brother said you had pretty eyes, or however the song goes. It was like a lot. Yeah, so the song that was, was "If I Could Tell Her." 
Right. And he basically uses all of his own feelings and uh, observations about Caitlin Deaver's character mm-hmm. to fuel this massive lie about how Connor felt about his sister and that she he wasn't this monster toward her. He had all of these nice, sincere feelings towards her that he never expressed. And I feel like instead of it being a disservice for Connor, it's really a disservice for himself. I don't know how he ended up with Caitlin Deaver's character at the end of the day when he gave yeah. all the best pickup lines, essentially, to his uh, her brother Connor, if you get my meaning. I know what you mean. Like, to me, like, there should be no fuel for that relationship after spilling his guts in that song. But well, apparently no, there everything was. everything <laughs> goes to, from, basically, all the credit should be given to, in if you're following the story from Caitlin Deaver's side. All the benefit and credit should go to the brother for right. saying these things. And I put right. saying in quotation marks. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know how they end up together. It doesn't make sense. To it me almost how doesn't make very sense because... emotional space. I mean, she's contending with the fact that her brother, who she didn't have much of a relationship with, you know, committed suicide, uh, dealing with the fact that he was an addict who would constantly manipulate her into giving him money to helping him out. He would go on benders. So she's contending with all of this. And in the middle of all this grief, this guy tells her something she wants to hear from the only male figures in her life. I mean, I think that's my problem with it. Like this girl is in such like this whole family is broken, but all these opportunities are taken in a way where he's uh, Evan Hansen is getting the spillover perks. So of these he, people who aren't thinking clearly. So the song, if I could tell her, he says one thing, one nice thing. And she goes, what else? Is that it? To some effect, she's goading him to tell her, tell her more. And, he and that's where the rest of the no, song comes into more. play. And like, I instead get, of look, disappointing her and say, that's all he said about you. He continues. So you see what I'm saying? Like he never wants to disappoint people, especially in this case, this is like the crush he's had for all of high school or even middle school. He's feeling a bit cozy though. And like enjoying the spillover perks of all of these songs though. Like he gets, you know, his mom's not really around because she's off pulling second and third shifts. Uh, his dad, he doesn't have a relationship. So I can see how he's trying to make a kind of stand-in for his family. But it just expands to a point where not only is it uncontrollable, but he doesn't seem that willing to turn down any of the spillover effects. Connor's family is going to use the money that was going to go to Connor and use it to give him a scholarship based on this lie. Mm-hmm. They invite Julianne Moore, rather, um, Evan's mother over. Uh, the huge income disparities there, like they're they're kind of like mocking her. It turns into this weird thing. And, and you know, he feels way too comfortable. He's like, no, this is the life I've created. This is they who they think I am. So he's ready to like grave rob this kid and take like the money for his college and bed his sister and Okay. you know get close with the family it's very <laughs> when you said bed his sister there there is there is a headline that's very sensational of a review of this movie that i laughed because i thought it was just a stupid joke but after watching the movie it took on a whole new meeting the uh guardian uk they wrote a ghoulish ben platt sinks teen drama and i thought they were mocking his appearance which i thought was outlandish but then when i watched the movie no this character is a ghoul 
he starts off with good enough intentions, but he's more than happy to take all of these spillover perks and run with them. You it's say really more than happy as if he's like maliciously doing this on purpose. He's, he's like not doing anything to stop. He's it. making the wrong decision every time he comes against another like impasse. Like he's like, oh, should I tell the truth or should I just take the path? What about the path confrontation path with his mom by the car? Like they're out there and she's like, these people are not your family. They're like, at least they're around. They're my family. It's like because you lied to them. You like it's all made up. Okay, it's so let's creepy. let I think Rico had something to say. <laughs> so I wanted to go back to uh, Ben Platt, not necessarily um, like the way he looks. That's not what I want to talk about. But I do want to say <laughs> that there was something about the way he portrayed the character that seemed a little off. Um, no, I disagree with you. <laughs> Okay. Uh, what do you disagree with? Again. Because I haven't I even said it. I found him extremely vulnerable. Because I haven't even like, said yeah, why. Yeah, he's like a man child walking around the hallways, but he looks like anyone can beat him up. Anybody can talk down to him and make him feel like shit. And I really feel like at the end of the day, he was Evan Hansen. Like he was running by himself through a park and trying to commit suicide by jumping off a tree. Like, yeah, I believe that. So that's not what I was going to say at all. Okay. So, oh. um, I I appreciate <laughs> you jumping in, uh, even though that's not what I was gonna say. Okay. Let's what I it. was gonna say was, it's the mannerisms that he chooses to portray on his face, uh, make it a bit off-putting. Um, not while he's singing. It's mostly when he's like super nervous, and it doesn't even look like he's nervous. It's just like a weird tick that just puts you out of like the movie at least for me when i'm looking at him I'll, I'll look and i'll be like why is he doing that like like what kind of choice was ben platt doing when he was making like certain faces like when he's trying to portray like he's vulnerable or something like that and it kind of took me out of the movie sometimes when he would like do certain things physically that would just be like, oh, I, that's an interesting choice. So I didn't get lost in the character. Well, there's a couple of reasons why, but yeah. those little things like that made it hard for me to just completely lose myself in the character of Evan Hansen just because the way he would do certain physical motions when he's trying to be vulnerable, it doesn't come across as a vulnerability. It just comes off as a weird tick. Okay, so I still disagree with you because I okay. feel like his physical performance was actually really great. And even when he wasn't singing, I was like, he just wishes the earth would swallow him. Like at that point, any tick or like little motion that he's making looks extremely awkward and it's supposed to be awkward. The kid is awkward. So I really feel like it was like almost like second nature watching Ben Platt play Evan Hansen was like almost like he'd done it for like a long long time you know what I'm saying and it's true he has done it for a long time you know he originated the character workshopped the character felt a closeness to the character and I'm sure that after I'm sure you can look up Ben Platt at any point like on social media and see that he's not at all <laughs> like Evan Hansen and those mannerisms are definitely a choice they're a choice all right they are a choice for sure. Uh, so you felt it wasn't genuine. 
I wonder what his reference mm, point was. I wouldn't was say for Jen, you, you know what it is? I honestly believe that he is taking his on-stage performance and kind of putting it to screen. On stage, you have to be a little more you know, out there because you got you got to play to the back of the room when you're you on a stage. Project. You have to project. So any type of movement, any type of thing, uh, you have to be out there. That is not the same for a movie. And especially a movie like this that does so many close-ups of their characters, you do not need to do so much to project that you're awkward. We're going to have to agree to disagree yeah, we like was, because I don't feel like he was playing to the back of the freaking room in the film. I feel like I everybody did, so. else delivered their role with more subtlety um, because they're more you, you can. You, OK, I think I see what you mean. It's very much a case of they pluck this guy right out of theater and surrounded them with him with actors who are, you know, in, in film. It, I don't think it's like an insulting performance or about it is just a very loud one, especially compared to everybody else. He has like a very thick outline compared to everyone else. It's not that he's playing it poorly. It's just that he's doing a lot like he's doing versus everyone the, else. He's doing the most compared to everybody else in the room. And that's OK, uh, because, you know, they isolate him in certain parts and he sings from his own point of view. But when there is no music and there's the exposition between that drives the story, he's moving too much. He's showing too much with his face and everybody else is, has more nuance in their performance. Like okay. I've seen awkward in in movies and TV like there we kind of understand what it looks like for someone to portray an awkward teen because we've seen it in other movies and stuff Perks uh, of being a wallflower is a good example of that um same uh, same director the director of this wrote that novel um logan lerman's performance in that is perfect as a awkward sheltered teen or we could look at um we can look at one of the first movies that really kicked off the mental health thing kind of ahead of its time it's kind of a funny story um, with the lead who's now an atypical, I forget his name, but he played someone who's socially anxious, about to commit suicide, gets committed to a facility, and he plays that very realistically. So okay, when you so have I some also context, feel it's a bit weird. I also feel like there's no one size fits all for like someone with anxiety. So we're that's the end of that. I feel like I want to go back to what Miguel was talking about with the conversation that he had with his mom, and now he was like almost ready to let these people pay for his college. That's ghastly. So I felt like this was not a case where he was going to say yes to all that money because that was first time. That was the first time he was hearing of it too. I think that he was more like, I really don't feel like, you know what? I really don't feel like he was going to accept the money. However, the situation reminded me of the movie Spanglish. (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. Where the little girl also gets like really immersed in the white family mm-hmm. and she's like ready to like do things like the way that this other family does and like forgets her roots and I think they are gonna pay for something for her. Was it like school, like private school yeah. or something like that? And, and the mom, mom was like, "No. <laughs> no, we're not going to accept the money. We don't need it whatever." And it was the same exact thing where she was like, "You never let me do anything, whatever. You don't care and all this stuff." The same freaking conversation, just copy pasted minus all the Hispanic stuff. And I think that there's an argument here for the way that he was addicted to their lifestyle. Oh, he definitely was. Yeah, for sure. Just like in Spanglish, the little girl was addicted to like <laughs> all the stuff that the white people had. 
There's a big lavish house. Um, you know, he has the comfort of having some people around. Like, you know, it, it makes sense. I don't think he was going to turn it down. Okay. So I, just, I don't. For forever, that song where he's like making up this whole relationship that he had with Connor at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. That whole story is they have some flashbacks in it where they're um, walking through the woods and uh, he's climbing the tree and it's told, uh, uh, sorry, envisioned in a more positive light where he's climbing in the tree just to get a better view and then he falls by mistake, right? Right. So to me, another reason why he's so attached to this relationship, this fake relationship with Connor is because in his mind, he's redefined his own trauma. That whole situation of him climbing the tree was so that he could also commit suicide. That was his suicide attempt. And so through that that whole- that whole thing of him singing the song for forever is really him just kind of being intoxicated by something that never happened. Yeah, I can see how he got you lost know, in that. By having a savior there, someone who cared about him when he was lying on the ground with his arm broken. Like all of that is very much making me empathize with the character because once you see it at the end, you know, whether you called it or not, like that he also was um, attempting to commit suicide. By the end, you see the real uh, attempt and how he wasn't running, smiling. He was running, crying, and he was climbing the tree to um, let go instead of fall. And like that whole thing was very moving to me. Yeah, it gave it gave him a little more reason to cling to this lie. Because it also means he had to face his own choices and his own suicide attempt. Right. I, I I remember calling that early on because, you know, when when he has the cast and like they show segments where he's running in the forest early on in the movie, I was like, he didn't fall. Like I I, I knew that just because of, you know, the story, the what what we're walking into. So I, I called it early. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I just had a really hard time connecting with that character of Evan Hansen. That was my biggest problem. Yeah, and I so, have nothing in common with Evan Hansen. <laughs> no, no, no. But no, no, I'm I, saying I, like, uh, you, you should be able to empathize with a character. Like, even if you don't share life experience with a character, uh, being able to empathize with someone. Uh, is uh, something that you can do. And I just never got around to that because there were too many things in the movie that pulled me out and made me think of, oh, I'm watching this. I I didn't get enraptured in the movie, you know? There's moments where I'm enjoying myself, like I'm listening to the music, I'm like, oh, this is a good song. You know, the the way he's performing this is pretty good. I like this. I enjoy Caitlin Deaver. I think she uh, is funny in moments where she has to be funny. She could be vulnerable as well. Um, I don't think that Adams and Julianne Moore are really doing too much. They don't have to, but neither one of them is doing like extraordinary type of acting. They're, you know. It's par for the course. It's par for for the course for both of them. You know, it's nothing bad, you know, but. Uh, so I, I can't say that anything is bad, it, but 
again, Platt, there were moments where it, it took me out of the movie. Did you feel at any point that you were like very emotional or you were like, oh, wow, it's catching up to me, even though I like the rest was like a stinky fart? Uh, there was one moment where I thought, OK, the movie kind of got me here a little bit. And it is the moment where we see Connor's video. Connor's okay. video near the end of the movie where we see that he you know, had a, a secret life from his family that his family didn't know him. And obviously the family, Amy Adams, Deaver, and the dad whose name escapes me right now, they were trying to find any type of connection point through, with Connor after, after death. And being able to see Connor vulnerable in the moment when he was in rehab, uh, that got to me a little bit. So okay. I will say that 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 got to me. Um, so but that comes pretty late in the movie that and it comes so. with a price like I, I, that was the only really the only real part where I really felt like pretty badly in the movie. I felt bad for his sister, too, because I could see what she was going through and it must have been really difficult. She played it very well, you know, like she was at first very angsty and annoyed at her her mom's like pure denial of the whole situation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but she gave a lot of solid reasons behind it which really fleshed out what we were dealing with i think she's one of the few vehicles in the movie that really shows like no this is who i knew him to be it probably happened because of your neglect of this and you're not gonna try to pull up on me and tell me that this isn't real i love that that really got to me when his sister was just telling all those stories but what really hit me was with Connor. We finally get to know him. We get to see what his favorite books were. We start getting an idea of who he was as a person. The only issues that I really have with that, because um, I even have issues there, is just like, man, he could have done that to begin with, but, you know, better late than never. I wish they would have spent, like, a little more time on that because Connor seemed interesting enough that they should have given him a piece. It, it he does sends have a very a strange song? message. Oh, he does sing at the begin. He does sing at the beginning of the original musical. Yeah, right. but I mean, a song that he sings in his own right, like at least within the movie. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it falls flat if we don't really know anything about him, except for it's probably like the last eight minutes. Like hard eight minutes is all we really get of kind of who he was. So here's my problem weird. with Connor. Is that? I feel like everyone has at least one friend or family member that is total shit. Okay. And if and when that mm -hmm. person dies, you have to reconcile every bad thing that they've ever done to you and others. And mm -hmm. there's this taboo against speaking ill of the dead in society. There is. And this movie does a great job of trying to, to navigate those waters of... The family knows intimately that he was awful. But they're still searching for something good about him. Especially the mom. Right. Yeah, because, again, he didn't really, in life, especially in those last couple of years, he did not give the family or really anyone around him, like, any true, you know, redeeming qualities. And same uh, for the entire school, who knew him as possibly a bully definitely awkward um a victim of bullying as well and this they called him like a school shooter type at some point 
Yeah, they did. Yeah, but also, like, this is a person who... He's obviously had issues since he was very young. Uh, there's a story that his mother tells him that, like, you know, they went to Brooke Brothers, they got him a suit, he was excited to go to all these Easter parties, he didn't get invited anywhere. Uh, somewhere in middle school, he fell into drugs. Like, hard drugs started falling away from his family. In the big blowout where Amy Adams and her husband, whose name escapes me right now, they're fighting, and, you know her method of trying to deal with it was going to a bunch of gurus and this and that and move them from plan to plan because she's so neurotic and jumps from thing to thing. Like the daughter said, the dad wanted him in an extremely strict regimen. This is a kid that was troubled. Uh, That's what bothered me. This is somebody who really just didn't stand a chance. He just slipped away and it's really, really sad. And it's like, you know, you get this character who's like so... And yeah, like he was awful, but he was also a product of so much neglect, of so much shifting, of so much everything. And it, it, and in the very few moments that we see him, he does show a glimmer that he's at least willing to try. He goes over to over to Evan Hansen and signs his cast, like in a jokey way. But he's like, yeah, now we can both pretend to be friends. Like this is a person who's trying to like. Like, if at least somebody will listen, if at least somebody will talk to me, things will be okay. He's going through the same things that Evan Hansen is, but he's completely ignored. He has this stigma on him, and he dies with that. But we see that there was so much more to him, he just never got the help he needed. Okay, so here's my thing. I have a, a really unpopular opinion, and I don't like when people make excuses for bad behavior. Period. And I know, I understand he was an addict. I understand that he had maybe mental issues that were trying to be addressed also through the therapy and the rehab that he was going through. I understand that. However, I really dislike when other people lash out, when or when people lash out at others just to make themselves feel better. No, for sure. That's, and that's, that's what he was doing. Okay. So I really don't have a lot of sympathy towards the Connor character. And... I'm sure that that's an unpopular opinion because people feel really badly towards Connor. They feel like they didn't reach out to him. They feel like they didn't know him, that they didn't try and help him in any way, even though they pass him in the halls at school every day. We get the inverse with Evan Hansen, though. Like, I'm right there with you, but on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. He went to the woods to take his own life. He was extremely alone. He, you know, whatever. He crafted this whole narrative. Okay, fine. Like, you know what I mean? But he should know better than anybody what it's like to want to be known and want to be significant in someone's life. And he took this opportunity. Like, I like that he did it by the end of the film. At the end of the film, he gets in contact with people in the rehab. He looks through all his old yearbooks. What was his favorite books? Where did he like to go? Where He made that effort to know him at the very end. And in a roundabout way, I'm sure that's like the moral of the story. But that's why I don't have any empathy I I don't. I don't have any empathy with Evan Hansen. I just don't. Like, you're going to go through these extreme lengths to make something up, you know, rather than you should know better than anybody that you should put the onus on yourself. If you if this means something to you, show who you are, find out who he is and just tell the truth. But I'm supposed to believe that this guy can go past all of, you know, his own personal issues and craft this gigantic narrative just to use his his own, I don't have empathy for that. Like, to me, it feels like a high school version, and I'm not even joking, it feels like a high school version of Parasite. This man invaded these people's lives, and that family, that family is broken. 
he was setting himself up as a and it granted a lot of this came from amy adams's overbearing nature like she was setting him up even in the end as like oh my new son my new this like he was becoming such a staple in that family he puts all this trust at their lowest moment they put all their trust in him and he rips it away because it all just compounded to that point that family is broken they're never going to be able to trust anybody and a video of connor playing guitar isn't going to fix that he did way more harm than any good he could have done it's awful <laughs> like but i see you know i see why people love it as much as they do but i'm right there with you i feel like we shouldn't go leaps and bounds to like understand someone from a superficial point of view but i also don't have empathy for somebody who i feel like should know better like evan hansen should know better yes and no just because i know better doesn't mean that like some punk that's 17 and has issues is not going to know better can i also throw something in here really quick just it, it's probably superficial but i don't know if it's i don't know if it's a cultural thing i don't know what it is but like when he's like getting in his mom's face about like you're never there like she's a single mom working three shifts oh yeah yeah you're, absolutely you're what 15 16 17 18 get a job you don't have no friends like <laughs> help <laughs> i don't like oh you miss taco tuesday like okay help your mom god i hate this kid i'm sorry i like i hate this kid i do love that he does right by connor in the end um i think that was very nice i think that i'm not a real big i don't think he did right by connor i think he did right by the family by the family he did right the by the family f- wanted some well, type yeah, of closure in some way that's true, because Connor would have never wanted his family to hear him play. Anyway. Exactly. So, you know, the kid, like, goes through all this. He can't win for losing, man. Like, he even dies, and he's still, like, he can't get a win. Even his most vulnerable moments are out there. It's just, like, the kid <laughs> never wins. I, I just, I don't have empathy for narcissists who, like, ice skate onto your life and say, how can I make this about me? Like, okay, just, I don't mm. think that he's a narc. I don't think Evan Hansen is a narcissist. I don't know, man. There's a lot of I, solitude. I don't agree with that. kinds of anxiety. So I don't okay. agree with that. I don't agree that he's a narcissist. No, I just, okay. I just feel that he's a teen with mental illness who made some very bad choices, but they're very, very bad choices. So I want to keep it strictly to how the movie treats it and the acting performances. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather discuss that than discussing you know, the way, you know, someone took their own life or something. That's that's not the argument okay. that we should be having. The argument should be whether the movie does a good job of making you care for the characters or not. And in, in my case, I would say that for the most part, I think a lot of the characters are fine. Ben Platt has his moments. I don't think I would ever revisit this movie, though, because of the fact that <laughs> I just find that the plot itself doesn't know how to write that character to be sympathetic I, I, or empathetic in this particular case. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't empathize with him throughout because the way it's written makes some weird choices and doesn't make you, at least for the most part, if you look at most reviews if you look at most people's thoughts on the movie who have seen the movie they don't root for evan hansen in the end because it really is tough to root for him at any point in the movie like with the decisions that he's making i get it 
he's a teenager and teenagers do dumb things but the way they wrote the character is just flat out bad i don't agree with you that's why would you watch the play the musical would you watch the musical having seen the movie like this did no favors to me watching (laughs) wanting to watch the musical i would rather watch the musical to be quite i mean before before the movie i would have said yeah i I totally would totally watch it because i want to watch more musicals i want to watch more theater to get that type of experience this movie did not do any favors towards that just because no. now I know what the subject matter is and I don't know if it's going to be handled any better on a stage. So, I mean, it didn't give me any incentive yeah. to do it. I want to talk about um, the So Big, So Small from Julianne Moore's character. Mm-hmm. That yes. song that she sings, because yeah. going back to what we were saying, asking before, if there was a part that we were like, oh my God, this is super emotional and like the movie's getting to me, that was it for me. Mm. Was coming from the parental side, someone who really hasn't been in the movie for a long time, someone who is um, fully invested in what her son is doing and wants to do and his mental well-being. And she's kind of like, in a moment, saying like, it's, I'm a failure, like, I fully like blame myself, blame the situation that we're in and I'm sorry. And, you know, hopefully you feel like in the future, this is not such a big deal that these feelings that you're having are going to pass. And that was really just very profound to me. It was very emotional for me. And that's all I have to say about so big, so small. <laughs> I agree. Like, I think it was a good, I think it was a good song. Cause she's like, yeah, I might not be there all the time, but don't forget that I, you know, I still know, like, you know, like she's, yeah, that was sad. That was, well, not sad. That was like moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It was moving. How did you guys feel about the additional song anonymous ones? It was fine. It was fine. The soundtrack it's covered by SZA. And it sounds so good. In the movie, it's fine. Like, I, I would have never known that it wasn't part of the original play because it f- kind of, like, it fits in, like, to the themes. But the cover is really good. Check that out. I yeah, I thought it didn't quite like was it okay. in the movie. Right, it was okay in the movie. It was, I, I didn't know it was a separate new song, but I figured there had to be, when whenever they make a movie adaptation of a, of a theater uh, play... They usually do create a brand new song for the movie so it could try to, you know, compete for some type of award. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's usually what happens in, in those cases. Uh, mm. So for the most part that I was just like, eh, it, it, nothing really stands out in that song for me. Uh, the only yeah. songs, the music and the performances are good, but the songs that actually stand out are... The duet uh, with Platt and Deaver, which is... Oh, Only Us? Only Us. And then, of course, like, the big song, You Will Be Found. Like, uh, those, I believe it's called You Will Be Found? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's mm-hmm. You Will Be Found. Uh, those two songs really stand out because, like, they have a memorable melody. They have a hook on on both of the songs. So... Those really stand out. Even though all the performances are good, those two songs are the ones that stand out for me. 
Okay. Mm. Mine are waving through a window and for forever. Uh, so the the first one waving through a window, that one, I remember it more for the editing choices that they did. So like when he would say like tap, 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 like it would be like quick cross cuts from different angles of him. Uh, so I remember the editing more of the song itself than I do the actual performance of it. But mm-hmm. so if you I guess you could say that's memorable because of the way they edited that song pretty much. Oh, my God. No, I love the song by itself as well. <laughs> ah, OK. Gotcha. Um, I think you guys I remember you guys when we walked out of the theater, you guys said like, oh, my gosh, it was so like the tension. You were guys talking about the tension building. Yeah. Okay. Did you guys want to talk about that? Yes, really I wanted to talk about that. We're we're starting to get a little long in the tooth here, but let me go ahead and say this. I kind of felt a little upset, and I think Miguel shares this um, this at least idea with me that everything felt like it was building towards a climax of the walls caving in on Evan Hansen from. Yeah multiple people realizing wait a minute i don't think this guy actually knew connor so we get glimpses of it we get moments where you feel like oh like is this the moment where he gets confronted with the truth by someone who realizes that he's lying you know Mm -hmm. and the movie kind of in a way lets him off the hook is not what i want to say but it doesn't like confront him like fully like the way it's confronted or the way he has to deal with the lies that he's been telling is that the letter gets out to social media and he's compelled to tell the family that that was actually me that's it wasn't it wasn't someone confronting him finding mm-hmm. out the truth and saying hey you lied it wasn't that which I'm, I was surprised that they didn't go that route. Yeah, you wanted, I think I did too, is a more direct, um, you know, reveal or um, like I want him to get got, you know what I'm saying? Right. Instead of a more passive, he ends up having to tell the family the truth once his fake letter gets out into the social media verse. Um, And so it's not like he is actively making a decision to tell the truth. It's more like he is forced to tell the truth. Right. Because things are now starting to spiral too much and it's affecting the family. It's affecting the the family he has found. Negative publicity, negative press. People are turning against the family when there's really no reason to. They're calling the family's home and threatening Mm -hmm. them, harassing them, harassing them. Yeah, exactly. You know, a movie, a masterclass in this, and that's kind of what I was expecting for this movie. Um, A masterclass in being caught in a lie and just suffering all the consequences at once. It sounds dumb, but go with me. Aladdin. Disney's Aladdin, like the cartoon one. You know, he lies about being Prince Ali. Shit just gets out of control. Then, you know, the whole town gets taken over and then there's the snake and the hourglass. Like things just keep spiraling. And he has so many chances to tell the truth. But that movie does a really good job of like, okay, like, here you go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and all of it just comes falling down on him. There's a um, lot of stuff that like kind of like with Evan Hansen, I wanted to see like his friend kind of let it slip. 
because at least one person knew all the ins and outs of what was going on that he didn't let it slip at all beyond me um the timing of like you know did you ever really know him i feel like that question should have come up earlier i feel like things should have popped up here and there that really show like yeah something's not right here like the threat of the lie being found out like it should have built more and more to actually the moment of the lie being revealed not him you know coming out and saying oh by the way i lied to you guys so that that took me by surprise that they went that route instead of you know him having to confront the fact that oh somebody figured out my lie and i can't hide anymore i think the best confrontation that ended up not being uh fulfilling for us was the one with um amanda no what's her last name oh uh let me take a look i'm so sorry about this she sings anonymous ones she's the one that sings anonymous i'll find out her name it is amanda stenberg amanda stenberg steinberg stenberg 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 yeah stenberg okay it's Mm -hmm. s-t-e-n Denver. Anyway, Amanda. Yep. yep. She um, confronts him and she asks him, did I lie to all these people to get them to give money for, for this um, orchard project? And he says no. Name, and he, that's when he brings out his own letter. Yeah. He feeds, <laughs> like he feeds it to her. <laughs> right. Right. He doubles down. And I think that was pretty cathartic for that to blow up in his. Here's the thing. What what ultimately bothered me more than anything else, because we've all experienced people like this who they do all sorts of terrible things and they're like, well, that's the old me. I'm changing now. It's like, okay, so you blow up this entire family. You get them having death threats and it'll take years for that situation to get cleared up. You cause all this damage and then suddenly he starts working on himself again. And that's what? That's it? Like, he can go outside and smile at graduation and live, like, this big, like, thing? Because, you know, like, I don't... It didn't sit right with me. It felt like this big, remorseless thing. Like, he... I feel like he felt sorry because he got caught. Like, I don't think he understands, like, the gravity of what he did to these people. No, I feel like... He got guilted into telling them the truth. But then, like, there was an orchard in Connor's name, like, for a place he didn't care about that much. So the words fail song makes me think otherwise, that he did not, as you said, feel bad that he got caught. I don't feel like that at all. I feel like he Mm -hmm. was definitely sorry for what he did. He was sorry the whole time. And the orchard situation, if I am reading the play like the original musical correctly like he was having some sort of song with connor Mm. that was like they were singing about it together like let's remember me or something i think so and so he kind of like hypes himself up to spearhead this orchard memorial project versus amanda's character coming through and being this like philanthropist about it and being like oh let's do this orchard project and really suckering evan into doing it too like in the musical he was like the the ringleader of it 
That's good. That's interesting because that draws really how awkward the treatment of mental health is because also she has something. They're very, they do a very good job of not saying what it is, but she has something too. But the pattern that we're seeing here, it, it, it's not a good look. It's not, it's not a good look. Like this guy is, his condition we're led to believe and a mix of him being a teenager is causing him to make these extravagant lies and this girl who ostensibly has also a mental illness is along for the ride, shares the note, and gets everybody to do these things. It, there's just all these pieces of the few people that actually have mental illness being extremely nefarious and manipulative. It's it's really awkward. Like, I mean, I know that there's more to read into it. There's more context, and that's, like, not the only read. But it kind of pigeonholes people with mental illness as, like, Okay, he was a drug addict who was erratic and destroyed his family and life. Evan Hansen is lonely, so he's going to project all his feelings and do this. And then Amanda is like more than happy to just share the note to get the last of the money so the situation can be over. It's really awkward. So I wish I, they would have um, kept another song or something. Maybe as another song clears it up. I don't know. There's a novel that this is based on too, right? I have no idea. I don't know about the novel. Um, so I want to go back to like him lying. He didn't start lying when Connor like passed and he was being portrayed as this friend. He was already lying as soon as you saw him on stage and in the film because he's lying to his mom and everyone that he did not try and commit suicide. That's a complete secret from everyone. Right. So I feel like he's already lying. Yeah. So he's saying I fell out of a tree. He uses the lies to cover up like his, his own insecurities yeah exactly yeah. he does he does so uh let me ask you this before we get out of here what did you give the score of the movie jessica do you um, remember someone else go first because i i can pull miguel out of five what did you give this movie i gave it a one and a half one and a half yeah, i gave it I a mean, three and a half i gave it, it has a, good songs it has respond. Some parts of it are very responsible, and like some parts of the story are interesting. But the rest of it sinks it. It's a one and a half. <laughs> I gave it a two. And so okay, so I have the highest score, and it's not even like close to a five. <laughs> no, look, it's That's just true. like the movie. Nobody's winning here, man. Like just, <laughs> I have so put much. it. I put it at three and a half because I really like the songs, um, and I like the performances and everything mm. else. I really empathize with. Evan Hansen even though nobody else does and that's fine like you can I am sure that the people who have watched the musical are taking it 50 different ways oh yeah I I bet people who have watched the musical are definitely watching this differently than people who have not seen the musical because I think proof the screen no I'm saying the content you know we've been discussing the content throughout this whole episode but I feel like it's gonna ring different for everybody it will. Um, I, I believe it will. So this is an interesting year because we've had already two major musicals this year in the Heights. And now we have uh, Dear Evan Hansing. And we still have two big ones coming out later this year. Uh, we have West Side Story, which is a remake, of course, of the classic. <laughs> and then we have a new one that's being released called Tick, Tick, Boom. This is a musical that is starring Andrew Garfield, directed, uh, he's making his uh, directorial debut, and that is Lin-Manuel Miranda. 
Mm. He's making his directorial debut. So it's interesting that this has become the year of the musical. Um, at least for the most part, like that's the big movies, some of the big movies that we're getting this year. Um, and so far, at least in my eyes, we are one for one in, in that aspect. So we, we'll see what the other two bring this year. I don't have high hopes. They're tap taps happen on the glass too. So I don't really have high hopes either. Although, I mean, Spielberg could could win with a you know West Side Story remake. Yeah, it's very could be possible. great, or it could, could be, be trash, great, or it could be trash. Exactly because it's all if you can buy them remaking such a classic film. You know, that's lay you know, of the land for you... any musical. I think though, like it's it's it's. Oof. That's they're very hard things to adapt, <laughs> like yeah, in general. So, Cats was that last year? <laughs> that oh, was the year cats? before. <laughs> yeah, Cats was. Uh, cats. And then we had that Cinderella vehicle. <laughs> that was, oh yeah, the, isn't that like? A, well, I don't, I don't know if that's Amazon a musical. Prime. Yeah, that's on Amazon Prime, Prime but I don't Amazon know if that's Prime a musical, original. right? Yeah, yeah, it I is a know. musical. Oh, it is. Singing. It's a musical. Yeah. So they stop traffic in L.A. to sing at people. You don't remember that? Oh, that was a James Corden. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> yeah. that dude. They stopped him. They stopped people in traffic in L.A. and the whole cast sang on the crosswalk. It was like the hottest thing two weeks ago. They, they, he's done that multiple times. Yeah, that's not a you know yeah, first time but thing. But still, uh, all right. So I think. All of us have made our feelings well known on this movie. I knew that this was going to be such a contentious episode. I told you. Yeah, it was going to be contentious. Um, I don't even love this movie, but I was defending the shit out of it. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I was surprised. The last time I did this was um, Joker. Joker, yeah. Like you for some reason, that one. Yeah, I was defending Joker. Like my life depended on it, and I did not love that movie. If nothing more, this movie is going to be a really good conversation starter. Walking out of the uh, screening, you know, that was a packed house. And there were people cloistering together in groups and really going at it with conversation. So that's the last pretty thing, cool. The last thing we got to talk about is that Mark Platt produced the film. That's oh, yeah. Ben Platt's yes. father. That is Ben Platt's father. He did so people were it. canceling um, Ben Platt for nepotism. I don't think he should be canceled for nepotism. I just think that a poor decision in casting, considering his age and how he objectively stands out from the rest of the cast, can be attributed to that. Uh, so, you know, in in search for an explanation for such awkward casting, even though vocally it was perfect, like it's I don't think it's a fair argument, but it's an easy thing to throw. Plus, like, oh, your dad produced it. Okay. No. And also he was the star of the, you know, of the musical adaptation. So, yeah. So I get it. Like you want him to have a role or, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be surprised if he fought to be, you know, Evan Hansen because he yeah, for sure. was the star on, you know, on stage. So I, I'm not surprised if he fought for that. You know, I want to I want to play. And he should. He created the character. He developed it. And, you know, it came later than he probably would have imagined it. But he had to see it through. And I commend him for that. But, you know, canceling for nepotism is a dumb like that. I think it's dumb. If you're going to go at Hollywood, go at entire families of dynasties in Hollywood that are casting each other. People don't have very good aim. So, like, you know, (laughs) like. 
Yeah. Good for I, him I don't for think playing the role, though. And I don't mean that in a snarky way at all. You developed the character, you created it, you deserve to play it. It came a little later than it probably should have, but hey, I'll give you your flowers on that. But he still does look older than everyone. So. Oh my God. Okay, Rico. <laughs> all right. So. <laughs> With that said, let's go ahead and let's wrap up. If you are listening to this show for the first time, thank you for listening. Uh, I know it was a pretty contentious episode. So if you are a fan of the movie or the show, I know this was probably a tough listen. I I can't (laughs) deny that. Um, But thank you for listening anyway. If you are a subscriber already to the podcast, thank you. If you're not, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and many more. So find us at Always the Critic Podcast. If you want to stay in touch with us or if you have thoughts, uh, why don't you go ahead and write us on social media? You can find us at Always Critic Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So share your thoughts with us there. And finally, if you have done all that and really want to support us, check out our Patreon page. It is patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. We are developing new things for the show, and we want to grow the show even more. So help us out by supporting us on patreon.com. I want to thank Miguel, uh, our guest, for coming on to the show with us. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Anything you want to plug, Miguel? Um, No. (laughs) I I, I just I want to What about your ASMR? Okay, um, so... Yes, I have an ASMR channel, Shinra ASMR. Um, If you want to be relaxed, come join. Who knows? I might do my own review of Dear Evan Hansen. So, but whispered. Oh, my (laughs) God. (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. And you're welcome. Thank you for coming on to the show. And that has been our show. So my name is Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic podcast. Bye.